Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Hi, my name is Matt, and it's a pleasure to speak with you guys today. But we were just uh, praying before service, and one of the brothers brought up uh, the persecution that's going on in the world, and and I could just feel it, just the perspective of whatever I'm, the points I'm about to make, and I want to make this morning, which I feel great about sharing with you guys, but it just kind of went, you know, it just, and I and I, I started to think of this question in the context of, of that, and, uh, you know, the, what that must be like to live out the, the scriptures and Paul's words about persecution like that to the bitter end sometimes, and, you know, what they might be asking in in the context of what is this to the Lord and then asking for his counsel in those moments. So uh, I've got a message here and a question that we're going to look at this morning, but uh, I wanted to start off with a story, um, <laughs> kind of a funny story, but I was in college and uh, uh, a buddy of mine had asked me to jump in with him. He's like, dude, you got to go to this thing. You got to go with me. Like, like he told me a bit about it. And, uh, and I jumped in the car with him and, uh, ooh. and I went to this, like, I knew it was like a business thing that was happening. And I, and I went to downtown and all of a sudden I found myself in a room with like, I don't know, 500 at least people. And, uh, and it, you know, it turned out to be a pyramid type business, which you know wasn't altogether new to me. I, I, I'd actually dabbled a couple years earlier in like some colloidal supplement or something, but I just, I, uh, I just, I just had, I already had this feeling like that's never going to be for me, right? And uh, so I find myself in this room. I didn't want to disappoint my buddy. And bada boom, bada bing, the details are fuzzy, and I kid you not, I cannot remember what they were selling. I don't know what the product was. I have no idea. It could have been real estate for all I remember. Like, like, but before I knew it, I'm up on stage, and some guy is like raising my hand, and people are cheering, like I just won like a, like a football game or like a surf contest or something. And I just was like, right in the middle of it, right in the middle of the cheers, I was like, what is this? Get me off the stage. And I didn't like it. I didn't like what was going on. I didn't like the, this dose of fame in this room, like somehow selling me into something. And uh, and I was out of there. And and for the record, I'm not knocking a, uh, a you know a, a pyramid business wholeheartedly up here. Uh, you know, I just realized it wasn't for me, mainly because I'm lazy and I just wind up telling my friends, and that's it. And so I just decided, you know, I mean, if you think about it, every business has a little triangle at the top of it. But uh, anyway, that's beside the point. So, you know, we have those times in life, right? And and some some of them are truly embarrassing, like that one was for me. And then some of them are very little. Or some of them are very subtle. But we're going to look at a question today, and it's a question that has spiritual application and one that needs to be asked for practical purposes too. What is this? This whole thing stems from a thought that I wish we could ask it more. The question challenges, what are you doing and why are you doing it? If asked, it has the ability to spark the reasoning process to avoid pitfalls, lies, entrapment. If asked, it offers a way to see the components of a situation and produce a thankful heart. And those two points I just made, 
Those are really the two issues that were bouncing around in my head and my heart for a while concerning this. And point number one, the frustration of seeing us as humans so prone to adopting falsities and running with them, I would like to think that if what is this were, at, were truly asked in the heart and researched, we as people could better find our way through the twists and turns of life and faith. You know, I forgot to open up in prayer, so I'm going to do it now. Lord God, thanks that, uh, that we are all here gathered, and uh, we just give you praise for this, this day and this moment. I ask you bless each and every person and heart in this room. And, and uh, yeah, Lord, we give you this time, and uh, we just thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. The second thought that came to me that I was having uh, is the realization that I'm not being truly thankful for so many things. A moment out to, get, to ask God, what is this? Really, what is this? If I asked that, I could break down the present situation, see it for what it is, and be thankful. Uh, that occurred to me in a moment <clears throat> recently. I was in the kitchen, and, and my wife and I were in the kitchen, and it wasn't like time for a meal, but we're, we, we, we both realized we were really hungry, right? So I just threw some cheese on bread, and I microwaved it. Sounds soggy, sounds gross, but we were eating it, and it, it, for some reason we were shaking our heads because it was amazing. It was like we were like, I couldn't imagine tasting anything better in this moment, this, cheese, this microwave cheese bread. And I actually said, uh, you know, it's crazy what a simple thing can be so good. I said those words, and I immediately thought, that's not simple. What is this? You know, what is this moment that, that's making me shake my head in pleasure? <laughs> and, uh, and I go, I don't, I don't have a cow you know, if I had a cow and I took milk from it, I don't know how to make cheese. If I try to make one cheese, it'd probably be like something else. And then I don't have a field with wheat, you know. <laughs> I'm not a landowner. And like, I don't have all these things. This is not a simple moment. I don't have a microwave. I'm, I mean, I don't know how to make a microwave. I don't know how to shoot radiation into something for 20 seconds and have it be super hot. You know what I mean? It's not a simple moment at all And if you break it down. And... It's a, it's, it seems like a trivial point I just made, possibly. Like, yeah, 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 right on. You can't think about that, about everything. But I think we should think about it a little bit more. And if you ask that about so many things in life, hey, you're not happy with your car, right? It's a junk heap. But it got you to work this morning, and you're just really kind of bummed on the whole situation of your car. Well, your car can combust a fossil fuel and get you to work. Like, you don't own the land to dig. You don't own the equipment to dig in the earth and grab the oil and refine it. And, you know, it's amazing. Everything around us is amazing. And I make this point not to say something trivial, but to highlight that we're failing in the thankful department, you know? Uh, people are committing suicide. My, you know, so many of my friends have committed suicide. It bums me out. Um, we're bored when we shouldn't be. We're not seeing the things around us as true blessings and that we are privileged to to see them come to pass. And that is uh, the the point I wanted to make this morning about asking what is this that we'll spend the least amount of time with and, and the point two that we'll spend a little bit more time in. But God gives us full permission to ask. In Matthew 7, 7 through 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For whoever asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. And God asks that we seek with a genuine and steadfast heart. In Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
But it sounds a bit reckless, doesn't it? Just to just to throw that question out there, to have it as part of our vocabulary in the search for God, in the search to f- discover things in this life. Well, what if you don't like what you find? What if you run into lies? At least you're asking, you're seeking, and doing the work to uncover the truths of this world and the unseen. When we ask, we are seeking the truth. We are seeking God Himself. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father but through me in John 14.6. Truth is never afraid of questioning. If you question, you will usually find a list of things that require digestion. But you're headed in the right direction. Asking what is this is not a game plan to live a life of uncertainty and constant confusion, but rather a game plan for going from truth to truth and faith to faith. Because when we lose the fear that causes us to remain silent among so many issues, we will, by asking, be built up by knowing. And when you ask, you discover, you begin to know that you know a few things. You know, back to the points I just made that got me into this train of thought. We discussed how asking what is this can uncover reasons to be thankful, but let's talk for a while about the first point. And when I said the frustration of seeing us as humans so prone to adopting falsities and running with them, I would like to think that if what if this were truly asked in the heart and researched, we as people could find our way, find, better find our way through the twists and turns of life and faith. What am I talking about here? Just like my story with the, with the uh, pyramid business experience, you know, I, I, re- I came out of it and I realized, you know, I realized quickly it wasn't for me, but just like that experience in business can cause you to latch onto a path that may not be wise, that same thing happens to us all the time as people in the pursuit of faith. The difference here is that we are not now seeking income, but ultimate truth. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you're standing outside of faith, you have to weigh that statement out. Do you believe that? What is this? I believe that statement. I put my trust in Christ, that He is God incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel, and that the story that unfolded through the centuries and fulfilled in the person of Christ and what lives on by way of the Holy Spirit to no longer live in dwellings made by man but in the human heart, I've come out of my questions with these answers, and I know that I know a few things. The tragedy is not taking this genuine pursuit of truth, of not stopping and genuinely asking, what is this? And it's also that you know we could fly the flag of a non-truth our whole lives and encourage other people to do so as well. In terms of faiths, plural, there's a lot of faiths out there. Um, I don't want to talk about much specifics. You know, I don't want to go heavily into what the Christian cults have done this morning. Uh, they usually distort the person of Christ, strip him of his divinity. But I wanted to take a quick look at atheism. It takes an enormous amount of faith to stand firm as an atheist. It is, in fact, a faith. The faith that something can repeatedly come from nothing. It is a faith that it is a faith that says chance is a masterful designer. And even though every man-made thing that around us that functions has an architect, atheism asserts that time has a plan and a blueprint <clears throat> for each and everything we see that functions so beautifully. 
That is an exertion of amazing faith. Fact is, there's an array of pitfalls, discouragements, speed bumps, tests, falsities, counterfeits, and illusions that we will encounter on our journey of faith. And how does, how does the Bible tell us to handle these? The Bible hands us the freedom to test the spirits. 1 John 4.1 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The Bible is giving us permission to stand in front of a new teaching or unexpected experience and use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to properly ask, what is this? 1 John chapter 4 goes on to lay guidelines for this inevitable battle set before a follower of Christ. It lays guidelines that make it evident that this is war, that there is Christ and an adversary set to undermine Christ. 1 John expounds heavily on love and the source of love in God, and it reminds us that we have been given the Spirit of God Himself to be a constant counsel as we confront the constant inevitable issues. Verse 13 through 16 says, This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. To leave this searching to us and to put it in our hands says a lot about God's purpose that we use our free will to find and choose Him. Even though God sees all and ultimately knows who will exercise their faith, our frail hearts and minds must make that decision as He leads us on in experience. The Bible explains our situation as we pursue Him. And 1 Corinthians 13.12 says, for, we, for, we, for now we see in a mirror dimly. And I think about that a lot. I think about that scripture a lot. I don't know why. But that scripture really helps me. I would say it's one of the top ones that comes in my head. I don't know why. But it's just a funny, not a funny little verse, but it's a, it's a small little thought, you know? It's like an like in passing um, for now we see in a mirror dimly. And a mirror, when that was written, didn't look clear. It was normally made of metal or silver. and uh, You got a blurred image of yourself or, or some sort of distorted image, a vague image of yourself. And I just, that one, I wanted to mention that pops in my head a lot just because I, I see it as a big, it's a small verse that's a big explanation for a lot of things that I don't get. Jeremiah 17.9 reminds us that it, is an impos- that it is impossible to fully trust our own heart in this journey left completely to itself as we continue to ask, what is this, in the twists and turns of life? It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Many translations say uh, incurable. Who, you know, who can understand it? Or, or there is no cure. Of course, we know the cure as Christians and it is what drives us, and it is, it is the foundation and backstop of true joy. And should we presuppose that as we search, we could discover all things? Meaning, if we were to continually ask, what is this, would every finite detail surface? My most biblical estimation is no. There is a mystery here, and there has always been mystery and things concealed by God. But there is also a beautiful biblical silver lining the good news and gospel of Christ. 
See, every searching soul must search in humility, taking what has been revealed to go from truth to truth. And some things may remain exclusively the Lord. In Deuteronomy 29.29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Proverbs 25.2 reiterates this and encourages us to search. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. Romans 3, Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. And here, as we ask, what is this? Is where what God has done becomes so refreshing. It is truly good news to the searching soul. It's radical, revolutionary, and simply given. John 3.16 states, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus reminds us, as He called the children to Him and set them down, that this spiritual journey must be accompanied by humility and meekness to discover the simple plan of God's redemption of man. In Luke 18.17, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And you want to talk about some of the mystery of this relationship with the Lord is, you know, today I'm highlighting the journey. Some people don't get a journey, you know. I love that God can save somebody by a death, deathbed prayer. That's part of the great mystery of the Lord too and His full grace and forgiveness. That, uh, that someone hanging on to life can finally cry out to the Lord. And uh, you know, we're certain that that has happened on God's watch. When I stand back and look at all this, these issues concerning this journey, that's where I'm encouraged by how God does this in real life. Because it's hard to talk about this subject without it sounding very cerebral and maybe insurmountable, this search. But then I look at the stories of my friends, and even though they involve some blood, sweat, and tears, I am reminded of how God meets us in real life and meets us on the journey. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to share quickly about three friends, and I want these to be an encouragement with you guys, uh, for you guys. But um, uh, I was a pro surfer for years, so I was uh, influenced by f- people that sometimes became friends. And I heard, as a Christian, I uh, so enjoyed hearing their testimony and and uh, Kelly Clark is a um, Olympic American Olympic snowboarder, and she's been a believer now for years. But I I wanted to highlight her story and how she found the Lord real quick. Uh, she was uh, doing great, uh, winning half pipe contests, and uh, she realized she was at her wit's end, and it was kind of news to her that she was at her wit's end, but she finally admitted it to herself, said she was uh, writing in a journal and was just like, you know, if this is, if this is all there is, that uh, I'm, I'm okay with not living. And, and uh, she didn't think anybody cared, and, uh, and she didn't think anybody loved her. Here's how it happened. Here's how her story came to an intersection. She was doing good in this half-pipe contest, right? But her friend didn't, and uh, her, her colleague, her competitor, didn't. She fell on both of her runs, and after she fell on the, on the second run, uh, Kelly overheard uh, 
a friend tell this girl who had just fallen twice, it's okay, God still loves you. That was it. That's all she ever heard. And Kelly, man, it's a powerful story. Um, you know, there's a lot of humility in what happened here uh, with Kelly, but um, she went to she went to that girl's hotel room that night and, and knocked on knocked on the door and said, "Hi, my name's Kelly. Um, I think you might be a Christian, and I think you need to tell me about God." And uh, I had no idea I'd have that much trouble with Kelly Clark's story, but uh, um, you know, uh, that started the conversation between Kelly and and, and Christ, and uh, and then you know, part of her testimony is now. Um, I'll have to email Kelly and say she messed me up. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, now now with confidence she can say that um that she knows that she knows that God love God loves her. And that she knows that she knows a few things. And uh she's um, you know, an inspiration in that way. So I wanted to jump to my buddy Brian Sumner, uh, another athlete. He was a pro skater. Um, now he's actually a pastor. Uh, but he grew up in Liverpool, England. Super rough town. He has rough stories, a lot of fights, uh, and and this and that. But um, he got really good at skateboarding. It's all he cared about. And um, eventually, uh, Tony Hawk invited him to come live in the United States and and uh, ride for Birdhouse and. And he was just doing great. He was doing really great, but not great, you know. And just like Kelly's story, like he just was, the the gears weren't connecting as far as uh, why this life means anything. Uh, he wound up admittedly suicidal. Uh, but Brian and I like sharing Brian's story because he took his time with it, and he's probably one of the most like. Um, uh, logically, I don't know how to say that. Um, he's very logical. He's very thorough, and uh, sometimes I have a hard time keeping up with how uh, where his brain goes uh, when he's talking about a subject because he is he's a very smart individual, and and God makes us the way the way we are. I I love I I love hearing from people who God has made them truly simple simple hearted. You know, love it. And then I also like hearing from people that, are we on? Anyway. Anyway, Brian's very uh, thorough. Uh, I'm at a lost words. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, but uh, anyway, so for two years, he was just like, what is this? You know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, do anything here. I know that I'm struggling. I know that I've bottomed out at the bottom of my heart, but like I'm not going to do anything here until I know what to do. And so he researched everything. Everything that had ever been a question to him, he just started looking into. And for two years, he 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 made it 
his research, he, and, and he, he wound up having conversations with everybody, like rabbis and, and uh, pastors, and uh, you know, he's wanted to know what's the deal with Rastafarianism. He looked into that, talked to gurus and that, and, and, and just everything. You know, he's just like, I need a snapshot of what's going on here. What is this? And Ryan told me that he, what finally pushed him over the edge, what he just could not argue with any longer was the fulfilled prophecies in Scripture. And he, the, to, the, to the cross T, to the dotted I, he couldn't shake a stick at it. And from a logical standpoint, it's what pushed him into faith. He, and that's when he realized this is where the rubber meets the road in, in my findings. And, and, uh, and that's what pushed him over into asking Christ to be in his heart, surrendering his life to God. Um, I hope you're encouraged by these stories because uh, I love telling this one too. Um, my buddy Ben Zafrin, uh, I went to college at University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and uh, I kind of gave up surfing during those years as far as like maybe even thinking I would ever do anything with it. But I would do a contest here and there. And so one time I drove to Florida. It's about a 11-hour drive uh, from where I was at. So my buddy Ben hopped in with me, and we were psyched to take a little long weekend together. And so we're in the car, and, and I was 19, I think. And that was the first time that I'd ever fully unloaded on a friend, hoping that he would find Christ. And I, it was like everything I'd ever known. And this was all coming from a place where I loved Ben as a friend. Like Ben, uh, even though he was, uh, for all intents and purposes, an atheist uh, and not raised in faith, he was the nicest person I'd ever met. So kind, always a smile on his face. Uh, you know, you couldn't make an argument. He had not bottomed out in life. Everything was kind of hunky-dory, you know, and uh, just a genuine, awesome person. And out of that love and respect for him as a person, I just, and so for like, I mean, I seriously didn't stop talking for nine hours, and I don't really do that. I just vomited everything I'd ever known about Christ and every experience I'd ever had on him and just, And just and, and 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 he just sat there nine hours later, just like wow, just trying to absorb everything that just went down. And that was a cool moment for me because that was when I realized, like, out of love for a friend, like I actually uh, have something to say to someone who doesn't know the Lord, who I feel um, needs to know God. And so he sat there, and we had a moment, and we both realized that nothing was going to happen right then and there, and. Uh, Six months went by, and this was a period of time in North Carolina where God kind of snowballed through my friends, and a lot of guys got saved. And uh, so Ben knew us all. A lot of them were surfers, and so Ben knew us all. And so uh, he, being the cool guy he was, uh, he just would tag along. And sometimes he would tag along at Bible studies and stuff. And I always thought that was kind of interesting. And I know, I know we had had these conversations, but six months later... I'm sitting there on a the couch in my buddy Noah's house, and, uh, and, and everyone's just sort of talking, and we're about ready to get started with a Bible study. And, uh, and I just look over at Ben, who's sitting there kind of curled up in this one-man little chair and um, sofa chair, and uh, I got butterflies from head to toe. Uh, just and, and so I just sat there in my butterflies, and then the butterflies didn't go away. And, and then I was like, okay. Uh, 
I kind of knew what I, I wanted to do and had to do, and, and uh, I just said, hey, Ben, you want to you go outside? So we just skipped the Bible study, and we went out on the porch, and we just talked for the next 45 minutes was filled with conversation. And the things he told me I'll never forget about his journey, uh, so interesting. And he goes, Matt, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff, but he said, Matt, uh, since you told me that, uh, I just, I sort of took it and didn't do much with it. But for the last six months, the craziest stuff has happened to me. That's never happened before. Like, I literally feel like there's something trying to take me out. And he gave me a few uh, examples of these situations. He's like, uh, you know, everything from being offered, you know, hardcore drugs by close friends um, uh, you know, j- just to like, he's like, it's so consistent since we had that conversation that, that I, it's got me thinking heavily. And every time I think I'm not going to think about it anymore, something else happens that would have never, ever happened before, uh, in his estimation. And, 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 and any, any, and, and he saw enough of the veil peeled back of the unseen battle that, uh, we both knew what we had to do. And I led him in a prayer and, uh, I love, that moment with Ben, um, as I'm privileged to have a similar moment with a few close friends, but Ben still walks with Christ this day and and uh, to this day, and and uh, he's still uh, uh, cheerful, optimistic Ben. Uh, but God has shaped him into a man of God. So my three friends met God and surrendered their lives to Christ. And this is part. This is the part in the journey where we arrive at a dramatic shift in the plot. You'll no longer be asking, "What is this?" as a stepping stone to finding truth, but now you know that you know a few things. And like so many Old Testament kings and figures in the Bible, you can now inquire of the Lord on all of the perplexities of life. You are now in relationship, sealed in Christ, and the relationship that God longs for and the relationship He designed our hearts to seek after is fulfilled and functioning. And when we, at, when we now ask Him things, it is a signpost that we are in relationship with Him. Asking what is this will still stand as a vital source for protecting your faith and confronting life's many issues. And I like to think as well, just like my wife and I's cheese bread experience, that it will help us to see and appreciate so much of what we take for granted and ultimately give credit where credit is due. Um, uh, My buddy Josh Garrels is a pretty uh, successful Christian artist now. Um, His last album a couple years ago was so good that it sort of reached a lot of people. and he wrote this song called Farther Along, and I'll just read an excerpt out of it. But he says, Still I get hard-pressed on every side between the rock and a compromise, like the truth and a pack of lies fighting for my soul, and I've got no place left to go, because I got changed by what I've been shown, more glory than the world has known. It keeps me rambling on. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. So cheer up, my brothers. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand this all by and by. 
the poetic, the poetic depiction of the journey with all that it brings. Um, I have another friend that I wound up making uh, some surf movies with. He's a really talented guy behind the camera, and his name's Nick McLean. And he was 14 years old when he went to a Young Life meeting. And, uh, and uh, that night, he did business with God. And I encourage anyone in this room who needs to do business with God, no matter what it is. I'm not going to do an altar call right here, but Nick kneeled down next to his bed as a 14-year-old and gave his heart to the Lord. And... Um, that was the turning point, man. That was his intersection. He's he's never never turned back from from that moment as far as knowing where his heart belongs. And I encourage anyone in this room to do the same business with Almighty God. And uh, and then after you do, please tell somebody about it. Uh, there's a lot of people here who would love to have a conversation with you about it. Um, let's pray. God, thanks so much for uh, showing us things in this life and uh, laying some advice out in the Scripture, uh, detailed advice of how to handle the uncertainties um, and all the perplexities of life to make our way to You. And uh, we know that You draw us in, Lord, but You also want to see us put one foot in front of the other and use our free will and, and and know that we know a few things and believe you. And so we just thank you for the journey because it's through a story of hard knocks, possibly, that we find things in life that are amazing. So we give you praise today, Lord God, and uh, we close by saying uh, you're amazing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.